Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, I'm Seth Andrews. I'm host of thethinkingatheist.com, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith in unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from Christian Hell, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I tell you, you haven't experienced awkwardness until you try to tickle someone who isn't ticklish. My apologies, Paul Francis. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that wonders if an argument between two vegans is still called a beef. Yes. <laughs> She's done so many crunches with her on her lunch break that her mouth has a six-pack. Nancy. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I gotta think about that one. I know whether or not I should be offended or, you know, be complimented. Your favorite exercises are a combination of crunches and lunges, so lunges. <laughs> yes, they, I'm exercising my gut. And she'll tell you that if you're a farmer that takes care of chickens, you're a chicken tender. <laughs> that is a good one. Guys, welcome back. Hope you had a nice, hot, hot, hot. No, nothing with hot in front of it is nice. Uh, it's a good thing climate change is not hot real. Hot chocolate. See, it's more the humidity than the heat for me. Yeah. I'm just glad climate change is not real. A couple days ago, at night, it was 80% humidity. Well, that's what happens. You sleep in a waterbed. I know. <laughs> yeah. That was 100%. No, as, long as, as long as I'm in the shade and there's some airflow, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Remember, I lived in Texas for a long time, so uh, this is like Texas thing. weather. <laughs> uh, so today we'll be talking to Dr. Ben Davis. Remember Ben Davis, our favorite nuclear physicist? But we'll mm-hmm. be talking about junk science. Oh, looking forward to that so one. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. But first, let's do a bit of chit-chat. And this week I've got just about nothing but good news. Mm. So let's start with the bad one. <laughs> They found some anti-Soji flyers in Abbotsford. Oh, I heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw this. This is from our idiot friends at the Culture Guard. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're trying to use fear to say that homosexuality is some kind of health crisis. Uh, but you know what? Um, it's, it's, I guess it's uh, not firing a, a, the way they want it to. It's actually heading back the other way because now it was actually published on CKNW, 980 AM. Mm. And the way the, the article was written was not flattering to Culture Guard. It was basically saying these guys are bigots. So, um, yeah. So your, your, your attempt there to, to, to scare people with, with uh, using fear tactics uh, is not the working. Way I, the way I understand it, and, and you, you know more about it, but I understand that they put these flyers mixed in with literature that those businesses yeah. normally Th- that's put what out. I, heard I mean, it wasn't like a stack of them. They were actually hidden in yeah. the regular... That's, well, that's, they know full well that if you put a stack... This is this is the, the hypocrisy of it, right? They know full well that if you put a stack of their flyers yeah. on a table somewhere, it's just going to end up 
Yeah, and recycling. Gone and recycling. But they're so and dedicated. Recycling. Yeah. We're Canadian. We recycle. Yes. But they're so dedicated to their stupidity that at the same time, they have to be sneaky about it. So that's what they do, right? They kind of put it with other flyers and stuff like that, yeah. hoping that you, you're going to pick up a stack of flyers not knowing, and it's going to end up in your home, and maybe somebody's going to start reading it. Well, um, I, I think there was maybe more of an outcry this time than there than there would have been mm-hmm. uh, maybe several years ago. And I don't know whether or not it's because Abbotsford is getting a younger crowd in and, you know, people who are maybe a little bit more liberal than conservative. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not as, as um, um, against you know, homosexuality and you know, for the Bible and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it, that, that it may be a factor or am I being too optimistic about it? I think people are, re- are realizing that you know, uh, these guys are fighting a, a war they've already lost. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, the, the idea of we've had um, homosexual marriage in this country for, what, 20 years now? And, you know, cats and dogs aren't mating with each other. The apocalypse hasn't happened. All the stupidity they were saying at the time hasn't happened. Uh, yeah. So now these guys are just just holding on to their hate. That's all they're doing. And they're trying to, they're trying to bring you aboard, and people are not falling for it. I hope. I mean, it's just it, they've perverted the original purpose of, of Soji 1, 2, 3. And so actually they're not against Soji 1, 2, 3. They're against the perversion that they created yeah, exactly. you know, to yeah. get people to to fear yeah, you know, they, what they, their they, children are they, being exposed they're to. They're saying things like Soji 1, 2, 3 is yeah. telling kids to pick a choice, uh, to, to make a choice to be either gay or lesbian. No, it's not doing that at all. Uh, it's it yeah they're they're creating a it's almost like they're creating a straw man in a way and then they're attacking the straw yeah. man it's 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 a weird thing yeah. well because saying because you can't really attack the idea of letting your kids know that they're whatever like they feel is okay yeah exactly <laughs> like it, when you say oh I don't want kids to be happy with themselves it. It's a little hard, harder to pass off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, that was the bad news of the week. I've got nothing but good news after that. Um, you guys know Infowars? Yes. Uh, Alex Jones. I grew up on it. Uh, <laughs> I well, know it very well. YouTube took down four of the videos for hate uh, speech and child endangerment. Good. The, the videos featured anti-Muslim uh, sentiments, saying that they were invading Europe. Oh my and threats to trans people. One video apparently even showed an adult fighting a kid, and the, the title was How to Prevent Liberalism. What? Yeah. How to beat up a kid, how to prevent them from growing liberal. Oh, yeah, wow. that's, that's sure to work. Well, I'm, I'm, so. glad to, I'm glad to see that. I'm, I mean, you know, free speech is free speech, but hate speech yes. is, is something that, um, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is a bad virus in, in democracy and, and should be stopped. So it's a good thing Facebook is being proactive and taking Hopefully, it. Oh, no, the was it Facebook to roost or YouTube? Was it Facebook oh, I'm or sorry, YouTube? YouTube. 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 Yeah. YouTube. Um, just a clarification, the, the video that you said was like, there was a person like beating a kid. Was that saying like if you beat your kid, they won't be liberal? Uh, well, I didn't see the video per se, so I don't know. Oh, okay. But that, that's what it implied. Wow. Yeah, I can see why they'd take that down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Last week we talked about how Doug Ford is uh, trying to put the uh, the, oh, I, uh, our, our, the sex ed yeah. curriculum back twenty years in Ontario. Well, the <sighs> Ontario school boards, well, pretty much all of them, I'm pretty sure, actually rejected. The 20-year-old oh sex gosh. ed curriculum. Clap it out for them. Exactly. Oh. Dude, that makes me so happy. Let, let's do so that. So now let's, they can, they can do that? I mean, Thank they, you. They're not going to get any um, 
restrictions because they voted to do that? Well, it's it's still it's still gonna. I'm not sure what's gonna happen here, but yeah. what they're saying essentially they're they're saying that the the, uh, the curriculum doesn't address consent, cyber safety, or gender identification. Yeah, because yeah. the internet didn't exist. <laughs> so so now they're saying uh, the the school boards are apparently saying, look, you're gonna give us this curriculum. That's fine, but we are actually gonna add to it. Okay. We're gonna add what's relevant to today. That's good. And I think that's their way of saying f you. To the, to the government and yep. good for them for doing so okay um did you guys hear that apparently they found water on mars yes, yes. they found more than just water they found a lake oh boy <laughs> yep they found a lake underneath the south pole ice cap it's apparently 1.5 kilometers under the polar ice the lake is 20 kilometers across Hmm. At an estimated minus 68 degrees Celsius. Oh, want to go for a swim in there right now? No, we can't go swimming in there. Uh, apparently, some of the, the, the reasons why it's still possibly liquid, we're not exactly sure, but it's possibly still liquid, is because of the, uh, the salt contents and the pressure mm-hmm. would have kept it uh, liquefied. So, is there a way to get more data can they actually they're working probe on probe that. that lake well it might be a bit difficult to to, to, to actually drill under 1.5 yeah. kilometer of ice on mars but that's going to be the next step and it's a it's an easier reach than do going on enceladus which would be yeah. the next candidate and yeah. doing the same thing there right and apparently right. mineral contents and all that they yeah. might like who knows you oh, might put, be able to put a camera in there and yeah. might something might mm-hmm. swim up to it i know right so cool absolutely fascinating um, did you guys hear that Canada is to uh, is going to accept up to 250 white helmets and their families? <gasps> yes, this Syria. made me so happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but do you know, like immigrants, they like are taking our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> These are the white helmets are essentially rescue <sighs> volunteers. Um, uh, there was a secret operation from the uh, from the UK, France, Germany, the Netherlands, and Canada to pull these guys out of there because they're in a war zone and they've done a lot of work and they're basically treated as rebels by the uh, yeah. current regime. Thank you, Canada. Yeah, so mm-hmm. out of, they, go, they, they went out of Syria into Jordan and now Canada's going to accept well, probably like 50 families and you know 50 white helmets and their families up to five, which... Anyway, they're going to bring him yeah, into the country. That's, that's such good, especially in today's political climate from a country we shall not mention. <laughs> but thank you, Canada. Yeah, exactly. And last but certainly not least, you guys have heard of Me Too? No, uh-huh. what is that? What is that? I don't right? know. I've never Did heard you of also it. hear that Me Too comes to the Vatican? <gasps> yes. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. So of course the Vatican there and the Catholics are known for the abuse of kids, but apparently there's been a lot of abuse on nuns. You know, over the years. I mean, is anybody really surprised? No, no. not really. No, not surprised at all. I, I mean, if you have a series of events with priests abusing little boys. Why shouldn't there also be priests who would abuse women? Yeah, exactly. I mean, is there? They're not mutually exclusive. No, you it's almost think. like they'd start abusing women because <laughs> yeah. kids are kind of a step up. Apparently, yeah. apparently, cases have been erupting worldwide. Um, nuns are going public. Uh, apparently, it might have started with a nun in India that filed a police complaint of uh, rape against a bishop. And apparently kind of opened the floodgates. And now, Me Too is going to the Vatican, Good. which is very interesting. Yeah, I guess the women, I guess the nuns, I'm just guessing on this, felt that they, it, it would be against their relationship with God to bring this out well, into the open. They, they and probably to, have, like, hold the the clergy at a high, like, because yeah. they're with God. And, 
Yeah. Now the interesting thing to look is is going to be to see the Vatican's response. Well, actually, we do have a clip of the Vatican's yeah? response. You want to hear it? Sure, but this is won't what the Pope... it be in a different language? No, no well, they, they, there's a translator. Okay. <laughs> there's a thick uh, accent there, but the, uh, this is what the Pope thinks that the strategy is going to be. To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear a lamentation oh of the women. Gosh. That is good. That is good. <laughs> well, that is good. So, so, in other words, it's the standard Vatican practice. <laughs> standard Vatican practice. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. Oh. I, I genuinely hope the Vatican sees the impact of the Me Too movement over the planet and realizes that the days of brushing things under the rug is gone. Yeah, and your religion isn't protecting no. you. No. <laughs> Yeah, Let's exactly. hope. I mean, it would be it would be great if it if it continues and yeah. actually reaches that well, level. I mean, in a way, it's almost predictable. I'm surprised it took so long. I mean, when you have women in the 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 the, the Christian faith, which are essentially subservient to men and second class citizens, and you dream like crap for how many centuries? Eventually, women are going to turn on and say, enough of this crap. Well, it's not only the Christian. It's, you know, most religions treated oh, I, women no, as, totally as second class. A, There's very few religions that treat women yeah. good. Especially when the men in that religion, like the people in the clergy, they probably haven't, like, had relationships in their life. So they don't know how to have healthy relationships. And they're not allowed to have sexual relationships. Yeah, I know. So, like, of course, like, you're going to get a lot of abuse stemming from that. They'll probably, you know, in uh, you know, um, a thousand years from now, when some anthropologist is going to look back at these stupid religions, they're going to say probably one of the worst mistakes all these religions did Not was to, them restrict, to have sex. restrict, yeah, sexual like, freedom. It's probably Jesus one of the Christ. worst damn things they ever did. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow keep trying to keep people under yeah. control with that. Yeah. All right, my dear, you have a, a top ten for us? I do, and it's um, timely and topical and tropical. Well, it's not really tropical. It's and well, I shouldn't have started that sentence. <laughs> welcome back, I, by the way. Welcome, we missed you last yeah, week. I missed myself too, but it was unfortunately <laughs> un- unavoidable. I'm trying to think of how to work tropical into that to kind of save my embarrassment. But I don't think I it's can. It's topical, tropical. Anyway, because the weather is so hot, I wanted to pick the top 10 coldest places on earth so that we could maybe get a little chill. This is my kind of list. There we go. Okay, so... Destinations. Yeah, at number 10, and this is... you got to listen to the... Since this is number ten, you got to listen to how cold it was to realize where we're going from here. So the ten coldest spot in the world is Rogers Pass, Montana. Anybody been to Montana? I've been to Montana. I have. I had a sister who lived there. Rogers yeah. Pass. I might yeah, have actually driven there. It's uh, 5,600, a little over 5,600 feet above sea level. It, one second. Is that in the the? Wow, mountain range? Yeah. I think I, I've actually been there. It's a pass. Yeah, <laughs> it's located on the Continental Divide. So it's right, um, uh, if you go to the Continental Divide and Rogers Pass, that's it. Oh, okay. So it's not that cold all the time, mm-hmm. but it's right between Great Falls and Missoula, Montana. And so it's the, the second coldest location in the U.S., and the it, it actually is the coldest temperature ever recorded in the U.S. outside of Alaska. So 1954, 
the low temperature was minus 70 Fahrenheit or minus 57 oh, Celsius. Yikes. Ooh. And that was recorded during a cold wave. It get, it get pretty hot. I it's pretty chilly. Yeah, it's just a bit there as well. cold. But that, but just keep in mind that's number ten. Yeah. That's any, okay. Anybody starting to feel a little? No. I'm putting a sweater on. Okay, guys, let's go get my shorts okay, on. Okay, here we go. <laughs> number nine, sort of local, Fort Selkirk in the Yukon in mm. Canada. Ah. Anybody been there? No. I have not. Yeah? Okay, that's a former trading post on the Yukon River. And um, it's in the Yukon. In 1950, it was deserted because of extreme cold, but now it's inhabited again, but only accessible by boat or plane. So the coldest month is January. The lowest temperature is minus 74 Fahrenheit or minus 58 Celsius. You know it's cold when Canadians leave because it's too cold. (laughs) 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 Absolutely, that tells you. Okay, number eight is in Alaska, Prospect Creek. And that was named the coldest place in the U.S. It's a very small settlement. It's 180 miles north of Fairbanks and uh, 25 miles southeast of Bettles, Alaska. So it's way up there. It has a subarctic sort of weather. So winters last a long time and summers are short. So the record low temperature, minus 80 Fahrenheit, minus 62 uh, Celsius. Oh, so yeah, it's it's a 643 feet above sea level. So it was a camp for the building of the Trans-Alaska Pipeline System. So I wonder whether that they did any of that building in the winter or they just did it in the summer. Probably just the summer. Thaw. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, again, here we go. Snag in the Yukon in Canada's number seven. Wow, we got a lot of them. I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. It's a village with the lowest temperature on Earth. Um, it is number seven in the top ten coldest places list. So it's located in a small dry weather side road off Alaska Highway. Um, <laughs> and it's near Beaver Creek. They were trying to cross the creek, but they hit a snake. Yeah. So it's <laughs> chilly. The, the coldest month is January, um, minus 63 Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. minus 81.4 Fahrenheit. And in 1947, it had a total population of 10 First Nations oh people. Oh, my god! And traders. Oh, man, what, you know, extreme weather heroes they are. But they put in an additional staff of 20 airport personnel. So now there's some meteorologists, radio operators, aircraft maintenance cool. men who, um, who lived at the barracks. I don't know how many there? are still here. Well, they call it there air was. Chill? I don't know whether there is now. <laughs> okay, number six is Isomite, E-I-S-M-I-T-T-E, Isomite, Greenland. Wow. And that name means ice center in German. <laughs> Very apropos. Mm-hmm. It's on the interior Arctic side of Greenland. It has ice everywhere. So it's called the mid-ice or center ice center. The coldest temperature, minus 64 uh, Celsius, which is minus 85 Fahrenheit. So that's one of the coldest places in the northern hemisphere. I don't know what they're... Could you, would you go to any of these places? Yes. Would yes, you, I would. You go? <laughs> I would, yeah. oh, Okay, here. Let's let's take it all the way down to number one and see where you'd stop and say, I ain't going there, no okay. way. Okay, number five, North Ice, Greenland. Another Ooh. place in Greenland. This is on the inland ice side. 
It was a research station, um, and it, the temperature is 85.6 Fahrenheit minus 66 mm-hmm. Celsius. That's that's cold. You'd be all ready to go swimming in that Mars lake. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Okay, the next two are in Russia. For, for, for Koy- but I'm never going to say it. For Koyaksk, Russia, and then Om- OYM... O-Y-M-Y-A-K-O-N. Omaikan, Russia. My word so, better if you use a Russian accent. So the one with, yeah, the one with the V, the, the coldest temperature recorded there um, was minus 69.8 Celsius and um, minus 93.6 Fahrenheit. So they have a lot of differences between summer and winter. And this, um, the one that starts with an O in Russia, that's supposed to be, that's supposed to have an extreme subarctic climate. So it's the coldest place in the world. There are two that they say on this list are the coldest places in the world. So somebody didn't do the, the research, you know, properly, I'm sure. But who knows? You know, the difference between 68 and 69. I'm sure you'd point, notice that one degree know, difference. Yeah, you wouldn't really <laughs> notice it with a cup of like, coffee in your hand that, that yeah. started out hot. Coffee ice cube? Ice yeah, coffee. A coffee sickle. Yeah, there's 71.2 Celsius or 96.2 Fahrenheit wow. at the weather station. So um, I don't think there's any permanent uh, habitation that's there. All right, so we're now we're down oh, to by a couple of polar bears. two. And... Number two is Plateau Station, Antarctica. Are you are you still in going to any of these places? Or do yeah, we no, lose I'd go. I'd okay, go to Antarctica. Christine is still in. Okay. Oh, I'm still in too. I need that. Okay, after I don't Asta. know if I would go when it's in its lowest temperature. <laughs> okay, this is the second coldest place on Earth. It's an inactive American research and Queen Maud Land Traverse support base. And uh, the coldest month is this month, July. Really? See, yes, of course, we could Antarctica. Go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still winter right yeah. now. Okay, if anybody wants to go, because it's July and will be really cool, it's minus 123 on the Fahrenheit scale. So that's about 86. Minus 86. Ooh, that's just yeah. a little chilly. <laughs> it has We're cold need a few and parkas. brief summers. <laughs> Summer must be from four o'clock in the afternoon till you know two o'clock. Sun in the goes up for one hour, it comes back yeah, down. Yeah, that's exactly. Your day. <laughs> exactly. Long, dark, frigid winters. Now if I said that in January, we'd all be shuddering. But since I say long, dark, frigid in the middle of July and everybody's hot, do you feel as cold? No, you say long, dark, frigid, I think of my ex. <laughs> now my question is in that place I'd love to see like if there's any like penguins or stuff respect for penguins I don't know it'd be interesting to find out what animals live in those mm-hmm. sub- I'm sure there are some in Antarctica yeah, there, there, are are some. there are, there are some. penguins sure. okay here we go number one Vostok Antarctica and Christina you were mentioning this uh, not this very uh, city, but you were mentioning the coal in Antarctica. Mm. So you were right on before we even started. <laughs> and here's the coal to see if you're in on this one. Um, so Vostok Station is an example um, of the lowest temperature on Earth. It's actually a Russian Antarctic research station. And it's in the southern, uh, southern pole. 
and it lies at the center of the East Antarctic ice sheet. This is all building up to how cold it is. So the coldest month is August. They have to wait till next month yeah. to really be cold. And the reliably measured natural temperature is um, minus 89.2 Celsius, which what? is minus 128.6 Fahrenheit. <laughs> and the, the most interesting thing about number one is it's one of the sunniest places on Earth. It's probably so because they never get cloud cover. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. That's it's probably why it's so cold. Yeah, there are more hours of sunshine there per year, despite having uh, no sunshine at all from May to August. So when it's the coldest, it's the it's the sunniest. That has the highest sunshine. Oh, in December, 22.9 hours a day. And wow! Wow! Yeah. But there's also nothing there to really hold in the heat. It's all being ref- all it's all being reflected. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Off yeah. the snow. Exactly. I would imagine. Wow. So, Christina, you you. Oh, I'd again? go. Oh, I'm still in. I'm still in. Well, send us. Send I, I'd go with like a re- like if, like. Well, I think a well-stocked I, research team. I'm, yes. I'm going to call out Christina here because I think I think she's just all talk here. I don't think I don't I don't think she's got experience with cold. What's the coldest temperature you've experienced, Christina? Negative twenty-two. Oh please! It's not like the Any, worst. Anybody have somebody else? I've never had negative thirty. Really? Well, I, I guess because I've lived in the states, Fahrenheit zero or a little bit, you know, under. One or two um, is it in Chicago in the winter time. It really gets cold. But I saw more than that. I saw minus sixty-two degrees. Ooh. Well, it was well, it was with the wind chill, so it was a bit less than that mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety-two. Where? Uh, back in back at home in Quebec City. That's insane. It was it was so bad. Um, when it gets to those temperature, as soon as you blink, your eyelashes fuse together. You <laughs> have to pop your eye open. Um, <laughs> It was so bad that um, the um, the weather bureau, the Canadian Weather Bureau, basically said thirty seconds to frostbite any piece of skin that was exposed. Mm. The only things that were running that day are the old diesel cars that the guys had plugged in and mm. kept running all night because diesel was cheap back then. Mm. So they kept the cars just running, just locked the doors. The cars are running all night. Well, I mean, the only cars so- that were working. As soon as you turn it off, you're not getting it started again. Yeah, I'm exactly. guessing it, w- it was it was nasty and every window patio door everything was completely you know like that big frosted yeah. over it was and if you were driving in a car and you had your uh, defrost on for your windshield it would clear up but the rest of the windows behind you and all that would, would start frosting over oh. and if you circulated the air then your windshield would start frosting over it was oh. really that bad i just wouldn't leave my house well, no. most of us didn't, right? <laughs> most so, of us didn't. So overall, do you do you feel more comfortable in hot weather or cold weather, or I'm, in between? I, I I can I can I've got a hairy chest. I can tolerate cold better than I can tolerate. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, like for me, like hearing negative eighty, I'm like, no, I I wouldn't enjoy it, but I could do it. Yeah. But like forty, I'm like, not even a chance in hell. Yeah. See, this, I would kill myself first. Forty becomes life life threat. I understand where she's going with that. Forty <laughs> becomes life threatening to me. 80 minus 80 degrees would say, okay, it'd be nippy, but I think I'd be okay. <laughs> Here's my reasoning for cold weather over hot weather. If you're in cold weather, you can put on layers. You can put on a lot of layers. Yeah. If you're in hot weather, you can only take so many layers off. Yeah. 
you know, when skin is considered an extra layer of clothing, yeah. you know how much you can do about it. Yeah, it's funny it. because living in Texas for so long, where you know, it would be 40, you know, as, as a matter of course, you know, you, that's the way it was. And then you'd go to a movie or something, and then you'd be minus 40, air conditioning, and you'd say, ah, there's, there's, there's no happiness, you know. Uh, in in, in, in of the middle the, of summer, but I can always cool off, but I can't always warm up. Yeah. So, and of course, we're, there's some, another factor we're not talking about here. We're not talking about humidity. At I was all. just going to bring that up. The cold humidity. and damp and cold and dry cold, are yeah. two very, oh, very yeah. different things. Yeah. In Quebec, it's cold and damp. Here's because, cold um, damp too, isn't it? It, I, it is, but it's not as bad. I mean, in Quebec, of course, you're on the St. Lawrence. Yeah. Here, I mean, the we're in the valley. We're a bit far from the waterfront. Mm-hmm. It's a bit damper in Vancouver, I guess. But even Vancouver doesn't. I, really I think it cold. also is different when it's snowing versus when it's raining and cold. Yeah, yeah. When it's raining and cold, it seeps into your bones, oh, which yeah. I actually love. I'm so weird. <laughs> when I lived in Quebec City, even the Inuits from up north, where they 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 see minus forty on a regular basis, have a hard time coming down to Quebec City because it's damp because they're used to cold, yeah. very cold, but dry. Mm-hmm. Which is much more tolerable. Oh yeah, yeah. You, with the with dry, you can easily keep yourself warm. Exactly. But with the damp, it it just it seeps yeah. in, and it's really hard to keep it away. Okay, so I think we should start a GoFundMe so that Christina can go to Antarctica and and she can do the podcast. We can interview can her and opinion? really see what it's like. I think we should do a contest. Christina so send versus your money, cash only. Christina versus me. Which one of us is going to freeze to death first? Um, probably me because I have less like padding. Hey, you calling me fat? Yes. What? <laughs> <sighs> The comments of Christina are not necessarily those of Left of the Valley. <laughs> so mean, Christina. Uh, you walked into it. <laughs> all right. Let's do another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. All right. So to start off here. Let's I'm, start depressing. <laughs> yes. Here's here's the depressing one. Okay. Um, a 10-year-old girl in Somalia is now dead after undergoing a dangerous procedure oh. known as female genital mutilation. Oh, fudge. Yes, there's a... There's... Let's talk about cold weather again, guys. <laughs> um, it's common in East African countries primarily because its state religion is Islam, which has a long history of circumcising women, at least partly, to prevent them from being hypersexual. Somalia is one of the places on the world that really are following this very strictly. I, th- yeah. I think they're the place where they're actually doing the most female genital mutilation in the world. Yeah, Ayanur C. Ali, which I highly recommend you read her book. Uh, she's got two books now, I think. Uh, Infidel, this is the one that I, I read. It's a fantastic book, and she's a fantastic woman. I highly, highly recommend you read that. Um... This FGM-related death is the first to be confirmed by Somalian officials in several years, and many people there believe it's a safe procedure. Like, some pe- there's so many people that believe it's safe. Um, it's safe for the person doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's certainly, no, certainly it not really safe is. when it comes to, to women's equality and, and women's health and women's everything. Not now, even there, women. There's where you'd like to see a Me Too movement. Yeah, right oh, up. yeah. Like this is just a ten-year-old girl. Oh. Well, I guess that they—that's when they do it, though, isn't it? Before they reach, you know, puberty, so that before they reach the, 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 having the strength to fight them off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Dika Dahir Nur was taken on the 14th of July to a traditional cutter in her village. Oh. The operation sever- severed a vein 
And when the family were still unable to stem the hemorrhaging, two days later, the girl was taken to Dusmareb Hospital, where she bled to death, said activist wow. Hawa Adan Mohammed of the Galkeo Education Center for Peace and Development. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not the only reported death from that procedure that, you know, is, is there. <laughs> Which... I would love to see a business card for that person. I'm a traditional cutter. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> well, I, I bet it is because, you know, it's... <laughs> I'm the village cutter. Yeah, that's right. I'm the that's village cutter. That's what I do. Right. I cut clearances. Uh, the Gawadug State Minister for Women's Affairs visited the family in hospital to offer condolences and explain the risk of death in FGM operations. Uh, yeah. These things all often happen in small villages that yeah. they don't have hospital access right away. You have to go to the city to have a hospital. And this is where this perversion of, 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 uh, of all kinds, all these kind of perversion happen because it's basically based on ignorance. People don't know. Oh, I'm a traditional cutter. I've been doing this forever. Of course it's not a problem. Yeah. Well, if that woman had consulted her doctor, and doctor would have said, well, why the hell would you do such a thing? It's a stupid idea. That girl would still be alive today. Yeah. Unfortunately, despite the acknowledgement of the death, the Somali government doesn't seem likely to do anything about it. The woman who performed the operation has not been arrested, and the law doesn't punish people for committing that act of torture. Well, that's so, what I said. I'm sure that's not the only, you know, it's like, oh, gee, sorry. Yeah, you yeah know? pretty much. It's, sorry, my bad. Yeah. She bled uh, to death. Yeah. That yeah. happens. That's part, of, that's part of nature. That's part of what happens to women. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, jeez. Um, Activist Hawa Mohammed um, said, It is difficult to estimate the number of girls who die due to FGM per month or per day because they are sworn to secrecy, particularly in rural areas. We only get to hear of the few cases of those bold enough to seek medical treatment in towns. But from the stories we do hear, they could be in their dozens. Yeah. First of all, when you have anything that's... As soon as you have sworn to secrecy, right there you should have a red flag. You know, if somebody's going to do a procedure, but you you have to swear to secrecy first... Red flag. That's a yeah, huge red flag. But that's that's imposing our culture on theirs. I mean, that's so much part of their tradition and their life. Who would ever think that swearing, you know, to secrecy would be anything other than the you know traditional values of yeah. a particular um, village? And it's just taken for granted. Let's see what you know. Maybe in another 50, 60 years, as the world changes and you know more equality, you know, to places like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. See some some good, you know, reforms, but I just dread how it. much damage is going to get done by stories like that. Yeah. Well, Until the in- then, the interesting thing is, and, and maybe you find this interesting, is that as the Somalians immigrate to other parts of the world and want to take this particular tradition with them, what's going to happen? You know, are are they finally going to say no? You can't do that. Um, in 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 Canada or the U.S. or in Britain, wherever they are, yeah. is it going to be outlawed? So I well, think this may be, be. As, as the Somalians go to different parts of the world and maybe come back to their country. Maybe that will that will shift one Start way or the changing other. Things. Yeah. Still. Get education in a different yeah. country and then bring yeah. it back. Yeah, it's still a slow process. Yeah. It's still, yeah. still so much suffering in the meantime. Oh yeah. Um, this particular death is the most high-profile confirmed in Somalia where 98% of women and girls are cut, the highest percentage anywhere in the world. (sighs) And activists are hoping that the publicity surrounding her death may help debunk myths in Somalia that FGM is safe. 
It is really important that this is a confirmed case, as pro-FGM lobbyists sometimes put forward the nonsensical view that it is not harmful, said Brendan Wynn of uh, Donor Direct Action. I, I, I'm astounded that they are pro-FGM lobbyists. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, who the hell is a pro- <laughs> They're probably men. Well, yeah, they would have to be, like imams or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, these myths about safe FGM need to be busted. The practice is deadly, but even when girls do survive, there are lasting physical and psychological effects. It should be obvious to everyone that cutting off the most sensitive part of the genitalia will keep women from enjoying sex, certainly compared to uncut women, and disfigure them for life. Advocates for the procedure, however, just don't care. Um, It can also cause problems in childbirth, maternal deaths, severe pain, tetanus, infection, infertility, and more according to a report done by UNICEF. Um, This matter affects hundreds of millions of women and it causes permanent severe damage uh, based on nothing more than a combination of religion and tradition. Yeah, one of their selling points is probably, well, you know, boys get circumcised, they have no problem, so why would it be a problem with girls? There there are some women's groups that are... I can't think of the name of any right now, but there are some women's groups that are really active in trying to bring that kind of practice. Clits are us. Yeah. But yeah, I can't believe that like this girl is 10 years old. I know. Oh. All right. Shall we look at something a little bit lighter? Yes, please. Um, listen to these Christians discuss how Bigfoot is real and part of Satan's plan. <laughs> Bigfoot is part of Satan's plan. Of course. If we had only realized this. That before. interview we had with a Sasquatch hunter. That's right. He must have been some kind of angel uh-huh. hunting yeah. Satan. Yep. Go it's for all, it. It's all coming clear all right. to me now. It's all clear to us now. Because there's nothing else worth discussing these days, <laughs> right-wing radio host Janet Mefford discussed Bigfoot and UFO sightings with former Family Research Council fellow Tim Daly on her American Family radio show last Friday. Okay. A little tip here for our listeners. As soon as you see Family Values... Or American Family something. As soon as that word family pops up. No. <laughs> shut it off. It's, <laughs> it's just one way for them to suck you into something that sounds innocuous. Right. Not only were those hoaxes real, they claimed, but Satan was simply covering up the proof. Mefford asked Daly how Christians should interpret reporting Bigfoot sightings and how it ties into a paranormal conspiracy allegedly orchestrated by Satan. He's a busy guy, that Satan, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he no is. wonder we can't get him on an interview. <laughs> Daly said it was telling that many, many reliable observers have reported spotting Bigfoot, but yet there is a virtual absence of tangible proof that would convenience or convince the skeptical public that such claims were credible. It's real. It's a projection. It's a demonic virtual reality. But it's not nuts and bolts. In this case, flesh and blood creatures, Daly said. Right. That makes way more sense than they don't exist. Yeah. I, I, I just I just have a hard time understanding what's the point of having a big, tall, hairy, ape-like creature as a servant of evil. What's, 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 the, what's the end goal here? That's a very good question, Kevin. Well, the end, the end goal is just to give more credence and believability to the supernatural and that Satan exists and, and all that kind of good stuff. 
Or maybe, even though you don't have any tangible proof, he's real. That's, I mean, you don't have any oh. tangible proof that, that there's Sounds a like something else. You don't have any tangible proof that there's a Satan. And well, would it be just easy for him to just show everybody. up? We don't have any tangible proof that there's God. There's sort of a pattern. I know. It's almost, it's, almost like, know. it's always like these these supernatural beings always need to speak through some spokesperson. Yeah. They can never do the work themselves. We need well, to I really wish them. Jesus would but, knock on the door right now. Well, and Kevin, I was going to suggest you be a PR, you know, for a spokesperson. <laughs> pick, you got three, the big I, three. I can probably pick. represent the Sasquatch. I'm hairy enough. Okay. Lose. <laughs> Mefford, being the good for skeptic for all of a few seconds, asked why those sightings always happened at night when a daytime appearance could be could mean more clearer photos and more tangible evidence. Daly said that the devil designs Bigfoot sightings to happen when it is too dark to take clear photographs. The vast majority <laughs> happen in the dead of night, and you wonder, why is this? And then, if you remember the biblical verse about the powers of darkness that love darkness rather than light, Daly told Mefford. Oh, God. This I, is making so much sense. I know. I, I just love how they give all these incredible powers to Satan, that he's the king I of this know. world. Yet, he can't show up during the daytime because that's... No, that's just the camera. The camera might be all too much in focus. <laughs> <laughs> she also asked why Satan would even bother to play this game with us. What was in it for him? That's a good point. I know. He gets well, vampires don't. Vampires don't show themselves in the in the light either. But they have makes, a, an understandable really reason. Relevant, but I thought it was interesting. But they have an understandable reason for that, though. All right. It's part of the devil, devil's modus operandi. He has always used this kind of phenomena to, once again, destabilize, to engender fear, to open us up to the possibilities of other realities <laughs> and other beings, and then we begin getting involved with demonic spirits. I just love how they want to install fear. You know, if you're the devil and you want to really <laughs> put fear in the population, Stand all you have to do is show up. Yeah. <laughs> That's way easier than... Creating some kind of hairy creature that might show up at night in an unfocused picture somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, all throughout history, there have been many, many different varieties of beings that are primarily spiritual beings that have terrorized civilizations and peoples and non-Christian cultures are very aware of this, Daly said. I'm not sure how Satan's work here would be destabilizing or scary when the people Satan might want to frighten are frighten the most are the very people most skeptical of the supernatural so I don't really know how that's going to work for the people that are more skeptical there don't know don't know <laughs> but they're obviously agents of Satan too right yes yep I don't believe in Bigfoot for the same reason I don't believe in the devil there's no evidence of either mm-hmm. so there's also nothing about them to fear yeah I would agree <laughs> All right. A little all over the place, well, but I, a good one. I, little, little by little, I'm sort of being converted to to that family, whatever has family in its name, and and, and the devil and the swooshy lady. They're so much more interesting, you know, than science. <laughs> They're at least entertaining. I mean, science and rational, you're stuck to the facts. Oh, you're I know. stuck to the truth. It, it may be boring, and it may be, you know, you get the explanation, and then you have to the move on. The world of imagination but is so much more fun. I know. It just, it, it makes, <laughs> I just, it makes so much, it makes life so much more interesting, doesn't it? Like, that didn't make total sense, cusp. but it was entertaining. Yep. Yeah. Especially when they're talking about 
Bigfoot because they have nothing it bigger to talk about. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah, that, that reminded me of that. Uh, you guys ever hear that old joke about this? Uh, they're in the middle of a church and uh, in the middle of a service, and all of a sudden Satan himself appears in the middle of the church with flames, and people go out rushing in panic and fear, except for this little old man that's just sitting there in the pew. And uh, Satan's kind of staring at him and says, What the hell? So he kind of goes to the guy and says, Don't you know who I am? So the little man says, Yeah, yeah, I know who you are. He says, Don't you know that I can just set your soul aflame? I could just crush your, inter- your eternal soul? The old man says, Yeah, I know exactly. You can do that. Satan's completely puzzled by this. He says, Don't you understand that with one word I can just destroy your entire life? Everything that's good about you? The old man says, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. I understand. And Satan says, well, how come you're not afraid of me? And the old man says, been married to your sister for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, thank you, guys. So <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be with Dr. Ben Davis. Talk about junk science. And when I say junk science, I don't mean the science of your junk. Darn. <laughs> we'll be right back. And I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt. And I claim that right. In the morning. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. And if you subscribe now, you'll get free... About the broadcast at the right to reason.com. A Canadian, a New Yorker, and a Southern Belle walked into a podcast, and all hell broke loose. Seriously, though, what happens when we three ladies get together? Well, definitely a lot of talking and accents, funny accents. Well, I don't have an accent, but my co-hosts sure do. We mix North, South, and the Great White North together for two hours of pure secular discussion. Nothing is off-limits. From goofy religions like Scientology, woo like ghost hunting and alternative medicine, to hardcore history, hermeneutics, sex, and science, we cover it all. What the heck is a hermeneutic? Well, it's not a guy named Herman who sings falsetto, that's for sure. Join Beth, Ashley, and myself, Deborah, every Monday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and we take you beyond the trailer park and bring the conversation to life. Join us live on YouTube and participate in the conversation via the Q&A system, or catch us later on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Nobex. Visit www.beyondthetrailerpark.com for links to the show and our upcoming schedule. Bring your wine and sweet tea and settle in for fun facts and free thinking. We happily wear the explicit tag, though, so make sure to wash out your mouth with something tasty before listening. That's live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Come give us a like and a share, no matter what type of accent you have. Okay, just, just think about the Muslims at this moment who are blowing themselves up. Uh, convinced that they are agents of God's will. 
There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they had the right God, what they were doing would be good on divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all the Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is the, is the true horror of religion. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. If you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, you have lost your mind. But if you think more or less the same thing about a cracker and the body of Jesus, you're just a Catholic. Well, Alman is our favorite nuclear physicist. He's also the guy behind the Ask Dr. Ben. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Dr. Ben Davis, thank you so much for joining us once again on Left of the Valley. I don't think I've ever been accused of being a snappy dresser or a great dancer, so that was wonderful. <laughs> it's one of the side effects of coming on this show. All yeah. of a sudden, you can groove like everybody. <laughs> we'll write that one down for the record books, because you know, that's probably going to be the ever t- ever only time in my life I ever hear that. Well, to be fair, we are all white people, so our judging of dancing is always the best. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got a message from his wife last time saying, hey, thank you so much. I'm you know, doing the dance- shopping cart. He's dancing better now. Every now and then my wife will try to get me to dance with her, and I'll be like, no, no, nobody wants to see that. But now this is a game changer, so you can you can initiate the dancing now. Dr. Davis, maybe I could give you a dancing tip, which is a very easy one. Just pretend you're a bacon strip, and the dance floor is a big skillet. <laughs> And you're I'll sizzling, that. and you're twisting and sizzling oh on the dancing floor. I have been known to dance. <laughs> try to keep the spittle. I have been told that I've got good rhythm. Uh, it, it usually involves being like really, really drunk, uh, <laughs> and and as as well as being told that I've got good rhythm, I have been told that I am tragically white. So that uh, tells you everything you need to know about oh, that. It's okay, we can't judge. <laughs> nope. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Dr. Davis, you're well-known down south in the States, but up here you're not, maybe not as well-known. If you'd be so kind, maybe you'll give us a good bio as who Dr. Davis is. Oh, well, I can certainly give, a sh- give it a shot. Uh, I, as you said, was trained as a nuclear physicist. I could not make a living doing that because ever since Sputnik, the government has dumped all kinds of money into training for scientists, but not necessarily bothered to, you know, develop any jobs for them to do afterwards. Mm. So I did have a teaching gig for about two years when I first got out of grad school. Teaching was my thing. I really liked doing it, but it didn't pay the bills. So I went on to do about 20 years as a uh, software engineer and even had a few years in there as a machine engineer and actually designed conveyor systems and robot systems and things like that for industry. So now I'm semi-retired. I've gone back to teaching, so the money I'm not as worried about the money anymore. And that's what I do for fun. The other thing I do for fun is go to conventions and give talks to lay people, even though I kind of roll my eyes every time I say that term now. <laughs> uh, you know, but just sort of spread the message and evangelize about science and technology in general. Mm-hmm. 
Fantastic. And today we are going to be talking about junk science. Now, of course, when you mean junk science, I have a feeling you don't mean the science of genitalia, right? No. Okay, okay. So maybe you'd be so, so kind to elaborate on what you mean by junk science. One of, the, one of the neat things about this particular presentation and this particular thing that I do now, uh, the junk science term actually comes from a fellow that used to uh, work for Fox News, and his name was Stephen Malloy, and this was back in, uh, let's say, 1999, when we all didn't decide that Fox News was just a, a sounding board for the right constantly. But his term is misapplication of science, Science, things that are presented as science that aren't really science uh, and things like that. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you this story. This is sort of the punchline to the whole thing, but I'll, I'll give you this one up front because God only knows where the conversation will go next. <laughs> this thing was on uh, DDT. He would say that the whole Silent Spring thing, which was a book that was written about DDT you know, back in the mid-'60s, was junk science. It convinced the world to make DDT illegal and in effect killed hundreds of millions of people because yeah, everybody in Africa is still dying from malaria because of it. Yeah. Now that's not only junk science, if that's true, that is you know, that is evil science. That is that's convincing people to do something that's ultimately bad for the world at large. I've since figured out as I did the research for this talk that that's not really true. Mr. Malloy was a little bit off in his assessment of that. DDT does harm the environment. It does weaken the shells and, you know, in the eagle's nest, as well as a bunch of other things. It does tend to stay in the uh, food chain for a very long period of time. And lo and behold, if you try to use it too much or use it for decades on end, the mosquitoes become immune to it. And you can't kill them with it anyway. Oh, of all the damn things that can resist that mosquitoes. I hate yeah. mosquitoes. Yeah, of all the things that, yeah, that can can build up immunity to it, it's the damn mosquitoes. <laughs> so he's not quite right on that. I mean, you know, it, should it have been used more in Africa at some point? Maybe. But there were places in, in South Africa where they, or South America where they were using it. And lo and behold, they demonstrated that the mosquitoes just got resistance to it, came back, you know, with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. They had to switch to other types of, of uh, you know, chemicals anyway to try to deal with the problem. Mm -hmm. Pesticides, that's the word yeah. I was looking for. So that's the, you know, that's the punchline to the whole story is even, you know, even scientists are guilty of calling things junk science when they're not. Yeah, it seems, it seems it's a term that they throw around very easily today. Uh, but t today you're going to tell us exactly what you feel is junk science and what is not junk science, right? You're going to help us, the lay person, make a difference between the two, right? Okay. All I right. will definitely do that. Let's do um, that. You know, I've, I've got lots of examples. But my personal favorite, as you might imagine, is Fukushima. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> You know, they, they try to tell us that Fukushima is the end of the world, or at least certain people do. Uh, it really, as disasters go, it really wasn't that bad of one. I mean, you know, there was the tidal wave, of course. Fukushima, but, that's know, where Godzilla came to shore, right? Oh, yeah, well, you know, they, fortunately they dealt with Godzilla. You know, Godzilla's a good guy now, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> 
So he swam back out in the ocean. He only shows up to fight other monsters when they show up now, right? <laughs> Damn. And that's deal. Dora. But, you know, they'd have you believe that this nuclear power plant melted down, and it did, and they've had to evacuate, you know, this huge chunk of land because of all the radiation. And they'd have you believe that this stuff is leaking into the Pacific Ocean and infecting all the salmon. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you eat salmon in, in California, you know, you're going to die. And none of that's true. We see we see these graphs uh, on a regular basis on social media about the Pacific Ocean being like having this huge plume coming out of Japan, contaminating the vast majority of the Pacific Ocean. You're saying that's that's false. I, I love that you bring that up. I wish I could show you slides. One of these days we're going to have to figure out how to do these podcasts with, <laughs> with visuals. Uh, I actually have the slide with that map on it mm. uh, showing the plume coming out. And that was not even a radiation map. That was heights of the tsunami. That, that was wave heights of the tsunami generated by the earthquake, which was also centered around Fukushima. So the map that they're using to make you all nervous about the radiation going out in the Pacific Ocean is not even a radiation map. Hmm. That's interesting. It, yeah, it's wave heights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so Now, here's another one for you. Here's why I don't worry about the salmon. And here's why I say, if you live on the West Coast and you think you can't eat the salmon, package it up, send it to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat it all. Send it to me. I'll take it. Uh, they often quote cesium-137 levels in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Nuclear reactors don't make cesium-137. <laughs> it's not a byproduct of it. The other thing, the reason there's cesium-137 in the Pacific Ocean to begin with is the atomic testing they used to do out there, Bikini Atoll and all that. It's a byproduct of nuclear bombs, not nuclear power plants. Mm. And it was at its worst in the mid-'60s before we made a treaty with all the other nuclear nations not to do above-ground testing anymore. Mm-hmm. So the radiation from the cesium-137 in the Pacific Ocean was at its apex about 1968, and it's been dropping ever since. Hmm. You know, cesium-137 has a half-life of about 30 years, so there's about a quarter of it in the Pacific mm-hmm. Ocean now as compared to what there was 60 years ago. Wow. But the, 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 the problem I have with all this is what is the motivation behind somebody who makes a graph like that? Somebody had to create that graph and, and, and post it. And then, of course, people, most people are completely ignorant and they just see a big headline and they just share it. But the person who created this graph, what is their motivation for doing something like that? That's a really good question. It's one that I pondered, you know, every time I've had this discussion with anybody ever. Um, you know, there's sensationalism. Uh, actually, if I can go off on another tangent for a minute. Oh, we do that a lot. Go ahead. Um, there is a talk that I want to give called What Happened to the Documentary? It's, it's, it's a personal uh, vendetta of mine in particular because I'm an auditory learner, as my wife, the psychologist, will tell you. And I love documentaries, television documentaries. Mm -hmm. I wish that I didn't have to go to a book to get really informative information every time. I'd love for somebody to make a documentary about Fukushima or 9-11 or whatever. But the problem is, is that they don't tell the truth. Somehow, when it comes to television, 
when it comes to that media, there is no obligation for people to actually tell the damn truth and to actually be honest about what's happening. So the talk that I'd like to give is what happened to the documentary, you know, and I can come up with name after name. You might disagree with me on some, but none of these people are, you know, actually allied to the truth. They're allied to getting attention. Mm-hmm. They want to be famous. Well, there was- I was just was in a debate with Robert Stanley and, and a couple of, of uh, 9-11 truthers that he brought on. Yep. Just a few weeks back, that's not even been published yet. But you know, they go to they they have all these theories about you know the government being involved in nine eleven and and this and that, and it all traces back. I found out when I was doing research for this talk, as a matter of fact, it all traces back to this one guy who was in his early twenties who wanted to be a quote unquote filmmaker. And he just invented the whole 9-11 thing uh, so he could make a documentary and get famous. Yeah. Oh. So it was all about getting attention. So, so it could be about getting attention, getting fame, and it also could be about a political agenda or making money on specific products. Because I know there, there's a series of documentaries about cancer and about other um, uh, medical problems where they put out the false information that sounds scientific and it comes down to buying X number of dollars mm-hmm. of products that are actually better for you than what the medical community is, is trying to do with drugs that are harmful. So it, 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 what you're saying is it, it fits in, in, in that, that type of a category for, for the producer or the creator of that type of documentary or graph. If I hear oh, absolutely. You, okay. You've summed it up, you know, beautifully better than i was doing it actually the only thing the only angle that you didn't throw in there that is worthy of a mention is for a lot of people it's almost like a religious belief too yeah you know it's you know they they want to believe in a religious way almost the government can't be trusted the end of the world is nigh, and anything that fits that narrative they just jump right on that bandwagon and assume you know it fits their worldview. So they assume because it fits their worldview that it must be right. I know firsthand um, because I I grew up in a household with my parents being 9-11 ventruthers and like constantly listening to like Alex Jones and (laughs) very much in that like the world is like this big conspiracy and documentaries were a big part of that. Well, I I totally understand where Dr. Davis is going with this because I'm like him too. Uh, I, I... the documentary has great appeal to me when it comes to learning, much more than a book. Uh, and uh, when you recall the old documentaries, they were very monotone, but very factual. The reproduction of the elephant is... Uh, right? Remember those? Right. But then they got sexier, and they sold more. But at the same time, the, 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 the idea of making it true or not kind of lost its way with it. I'm not saying that's the cause and effect of it, but I'm saying it seemed to have happened around the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And somehow it was, you know, if you write a book and you, and you put bad data in it and, and you don't, you don't uh, list your sources and you don't do all kinds of things to prove your case, then there are plenty of people that will jump all over you for that. But somewhere along the way, you could make a quote-unquote documentary 
you could get a much larger audience. You could get uh, everybody jumping on this bandwagon with you, but yet the people that are going, hey, where are your sources? Hey, have you really checked this out? Your logic's a little flawed here, dude. Mm-hmm. They don't jump on you the same way they do when you write a book and say that kind of stuff. It's quite true. It's quite true. Why they can get away with that in the TV media versus the, the print media is beyond me, but it's something that really needs to be fixed because... You know, I would love to get pertinent information, accurate information, you know, watching a documentary as opposed to having to read a 300-page book for everything. You know what I mean? Yes. I, th- I think that's exactly it. It's a lot easier to digest a couple of minutes of movie than digesting a three, four, five 500-page book about, about a topic. Right. Well, Dylan I- Avery, by the way, was that jackass's name, if you were curious. Mm, okay. Well, I'm I'm really I'm really happy that we find find out that Fukushima is not as uh, as junk science as compared to something like homeopathy, for example. I mean, that's obviously real science, right? Uh, <laughs> sure, that's that's right. <laughs> and while you're thinking about how that diluted medicine is having such an effect on you, think about all the dinosaur pee, you know, that's in that water too, because water remembers, right? Exactly. <laughs> What, are you saying that homeopathy is not true? It's not real? It's not good science? Well, you know, I hate to burst your bubble there, Kevin, but yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid you, you've gone off on a tangent on that one. But they, they have it at your health store. It's right by my protein powder. How can, how can these people be charlatan? And what, what do they have to gain? Are they trying to get my money? Is that it? Uh, yeah, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid it's just, you know, naked uh, attempt to, to take your money away from you. I'm so disillusioned now. Okay, what other bad news do you have for us, Dr. Davis? Oh, other are, bad news. Are you going to tell us vitamins aren't actually, like, essential? <laughs> um, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I lived a lot of years without taking vitamins, and somehow <laughs> I, I managed to survive. I do think vitamins are probably okay. Um, you know, they, they probably do give you back essential you know, minerals and things that you need. Uh, especially if you're like me and you, your eating habits aren't exactly as good as they should be. But you shouldn't pay a lot of money for them. You know, just the centrum over the counter at the drugstore is probably all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are other examples you have of bad science? Oh, well, if we want to talk <laughs> specifically about junk science, I'm going through my list here. Okay. Uh, you know, we we've got to talk about the anti-vaxxers. Oh my gosh! Uh, we can, we cannot do thirty minutes of junk science and not have our nod to to what's your face, yeah. Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. I I have siblings that don't vaccinate their kids, and it's like really, your kids are going to die. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, and again, I try to be nice to these people because if you just if you call them a dumbass right out, then, you know, you're not going <laughs> to win any converts that yeah. way. Yeah. But, holy shit, what are you thinking? I mean, that's the only thing you can you can look at some of these people and think when they come out with some of this stuff. Yeah, especially when you're sticking them in public school. I mean, I have, and, I, and of course, this is an ad hominem attack. This is not logical. This is not fair. But my first slide on anti-vaxxers got Jenny McCarthy on the front page of Playboy with, you know, and it's like, you know, I can remember Jenny McCarthy, you know, I had that edition of Playboy back when I was in grad school. Mm-hmm. 
you know, she was she definitely, you know, she had wonderful tits. But <laughs> why in God's name would you listen to her about whether you should vaccinate your kids or not? Yeah. Well, I guess because people can understand her and relate to her more than they can with someone with a Ph.D. in nuclear physics. It's like, oh, she's one of us. She understands us. She's not using words that we don't understand. And the problem is that that you run up against um, all the time, I'm sure. And it's so difficult is once people are ingrained with the bad science because they don't understand the difference between the good and the bad, trying to get them to understand that what they're attached to is false and believe the nuclear physicist guy that they can't quite relate to because you're too brainy it's very difficult it puts you know it it puts knowledge you know on the chopping block and what what do you do to to help convert people from the bad stuff that they think is the good stuff into the good stuff that they still think might be the bad stuff Mm mm-hmm well, there are a lot of days that I just absolutely despair from it, uh, you know, because it's like I've talked to people, uh, these folks I'm debating with, you know, having going to apparently have monthly debates with uh, because not only do they believe in 9-11, they, they believe in um, contrails. They believe, you know, <laughs> they believe that space doesn't exist. Oh, my, are they flat earthers? The earth is flat yep, and there it is. not really 93 million miles away. Oh, um, and, and there's so many people that I look at and talk to, and I really do have the thought, man, you are so broken and you are so misinformed in so many different ways that I don't even know where to start with you. <laughs> I, I don't have years to sit here and talk to you individually and convince you that you, yeah. you're just completely deluded. Uh, but, and, and there seem to be more and more people like this in the world. You know, but I definitely do try to avoid the big words. I, I do try to, you know, not sound condescending, but but sound like, you know, one of you, however you want to put that, uh, you know, so that I'm not threatening or anything like that. But I also have to, you know, occasionally throw in words that show that I understand the, the basis of this and the logic behind this. So I try to come off as, as being intelligent, but not threatening. Does it do any good? Hell, I don't know. I, I, I swear a lot, too. I say fuck a lot. You had no Maybe I'll ask a, a psychological question here. Uh, Dr. Davis, you, um, sometimes I, I get the feeling that a lot of these people hold on to their opinions because even if you were, let's say, the anti-vax there, um, you, even if you brought them the raw data, you 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 bring them intellectual data and they respond on an emotional level, and I also feel that sometimes a lot of people would rather stick to a gun than being wrong because being right is one of the greatest feelings we have as a person. Adversely, of course, being wrong is one of the worst feelings we have, and I think a lot of people are trying to avoid this feeling at all costs, even to the point of being stubbornly ridicule ridiculous about it. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's funny because at some point you get over that. And, and, and in my head, I'm just thinking, it's kind of like getting rejected at the bar when you're single. You know, guys are just sort of certain guys, you know, get used to just that rejection and just being told, no, I don't think so. And they just sort of shrug and they go on with their life. I've been wrong twice in this setting, by the way. I was wrong about the DDT thing. You've already heard that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also wrong about global warming. 
and it goes back to fitting your narrative and your worldview. Uh, you know, the first exposure I had to global warming was Al Gore, and that guy is just so far off to the left on everything, I didn't trust him. And the fact that it was Al Gore telling me that the world was warming up and that we were all going to die made me just go, oh, God, it's another liberal politician, you know, telling me the world's coming in. Mm-hmm. And I tuned it out. And I went to this one con in particular where every year they would have this ongoing debate about whether global warming was real or not. And it was coming back around for the third year. And it's like, I'm going to prepare for this talk. I'm going to make sure that my facts are right. And so I went and pulled the data myself, started looking at it, and I'm like, holy God, uh, you know, this is a real problem. You know, it took me three years of sitting on panels before I sat down and said, I'm going to pull the data, I'm going to set all of my, you know, preconceived ideas aside, and I'm going to just look at the data with fresh eyes and see what I see. But isn't that exactly the problem? The, the, the average Joe out there doesn't, first of all, they don't have the time, nor the understanding of the data, nor do they want to spend the time doing it either. And, and, that's, and it's the time that's the big problem with yeah. a lot of it, is, you know, you, you, you don't have the time. So essentially they put their trust into a source, and right. now the, the, the problem is, is which sources are reliable and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think it might also come from, um, I know with religion... Um, a lot of religious people are taught to mistrust scientists and people in like universities and who who have a lot of knowledge. Because like I know myself growing up, like scientists were evil. Like they like were yeah. this big cabal. Because I also grew up in a house where we believed the Earth was six thousand years old. Of course, <laughs> yeah, they have all these te- uh, nuclear physicists mm-hmm. turned teachers. So, he's rolling in a Ferrari so like, for sure. Like, like you were saying, how you didn't trust Al Gore, so you just wrote off all the information. If right. people, if people are taught not to trust scientists, is that does that make it more likely that they just will write off any information they're giving them? I think it absolutely does. I, I mean, again. This is another one of those things where I stand back, and it seems like, again, something went horribly wrong, as with the documentary, something went horribly wrong about the mid-70s is the best place I could place it. I grew up Southern Baptist. I was, you know, I was a Christian for the first 32 years of my life. And growing up in that environment, there was never any discussion about scientists not being trustworthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that only happened, I'm going to say, in the mid-80s, when it became this political war between traditionalists, conservatives, Underwater. and the left. And the left would always quote scientific data and try to be logical in their arguments. And the right would go, oh, you're just trying to fool us with that fancy science stuff. Uh, no, Ronald Reagan, that's exactly it. I've been saying that for 20 years now. Yeah, uh, I, I like Yeah, it. and... It, it That hurts me on so many levels, I don't even know where to start, because first of all, I think there are intelligent conservatives in the world. I think being a conservative is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, the conservatives that we see in the United States that are up front and center right now are definitely a bad thing. But I used to know some really smart conservatives in my life. As a matter of fact, a lot of them were scientists and engineers. Um, I'm sure those people are still around. I'm sure they're not all dead. They were my college professors at my Christian university, you know, when I was back in the mid-80s. 
Um, you know, but somewhere along the way, scientists became, you know, sort of put up as bad guys, as somebody with this agenda to try to teach you that evolution is real. That, there's no agenda other than finding the truth. Evolution's real because the fossil record says it's real. Mm-hmm. It's the logical conclusion that you draw when you look at the data. And, yeah, unfortunately, there's an entire class of people now that don't think they need to look at the data. And they think when you try to show them the data or you try to talk to them logically that you're trying to do some sort of, you know, mind fuck on them, you know, <laughs> some sort of hypnotism. And it's like, that's not the deal at all. We just want you to see the world the way it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so we just finally found out that homeopathy is not real either. <laughs> so, uh, and... Uh, and you know, there's people that actually... And again, there's a, there's whole, you know, organizations devoted to debunking this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. There's actually people that stand out in front of, you know, the, manu- the manufacturing plant on certain days and quote-unquote, overdose on this homeopathic medicine. <laughs> yeah, James Randi was famous for doing that. And yeah, so the, well, we, James Randi's famous for doing lots of stuff. <laughs> true, that true. guy's awesome. <laughs> what, what I wish that guy would offer me a job. I'd go to work for him. <sighs> you, you were saying that you're, you're giving this talk at a, a lot of different conventions. Where, where are you giving the, the, the talks, and what kind of reception are you getting? And I guess underlying that question is... Do you find a lot of pushback? Do you find a lot of people who don't accept what you're saying and just get up and challenge you, um, you know, in the question-answer period if you have one? I do have a question-answer period. I usually try to leave. I tell people they can interrupt me anytime they want to during a normal talk, but I try to leave them five or ten minutes even at the end. And, you know, the funny thing is that has almost never happened. I was actually sitting in, so where, you asked me where, Dragon Con in Atlanta, um, that's the big one. I've had a couple that I do in Williamsburg, uh, North Carolina of all places, you know, but, and then Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee ends up being a huge mecca for, for conventions. Who would have known? Who would have known, yeah. Uh, but... So, you know, the places like that, uh, there was a con in Greenville, too, that I, I loved and supported. You know, they didn't do very well. They only lasted two years. But, yeah, all over, all over the southeast, I'm doing another one. I think I'm going to do one in Charlotte before too long. Hadn't heard back from them yet. So all over is the answer to the question. But the rest of it, I don't have a lot of people trying to stand up to me. A, you know, in a, in a setting like that. And it's not that I'm scary. It's not that I might miss, you know, I'm actually pretty easy to get along fellow. Uh, you know, but, I, you know, nobody wants to do that. Nobody really wants to take me on face to face. And I thought, well, that's because, you know, all the facts are on my side. Well, I'm sitting at Dragon Con one year and we're talking about nuclear power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's usually, you can usually get some, some people in the center still don't necessarily like the concept of nuclear power. So a thought just popped in my head. It was standing room only in the room. There were probably a couple hundred people in there. And a thought just popped in my head, and I said, okay, show of hands. How many of you people support nuclear power? Every hand in the room goes up. Is there anybody here that doesn't support nuclear power? Not a single hand goes up. Hmm. 
The problem with doing this and evangelizing this way is you find yourself preaching to the choir most of the time. Mm. The people that really need to hear it don't show up to science fiction conventions and science conventions and listen to the panels on science. Fair enough, but at least if you're preaching to the choir, you might be able to actually give them better tools when they go out and face the layperson. Absolutely, and, and I tell myself that's what I'm doing is I'm making them more confident and I'm giving them ammunition. Um, so, okay, the one, the one girl that did confront me confronted me after the talk was over, which was kind of her, and that was a talk on... Um, the paranormal. Uh, I've got one that's called Paranormal Fact or Fake. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that Bigfoot and ghosts aren't real either? Oh. <laughs> did you not? Hey, did you not see my video a few weeks back where I went to the graveyard and hung out with the ghost hunters? Oh, my gosh. No, I did so not see fun. I need to see that. No, I did not see that. Well, you know why you didn't see it? Well, for, they were streaming it in the beginning, but after about 30 minutes, they cut off their stream, you know, because... <laughs> I don't know. I guess it wasn't working for him. But my video is only a minute and 20 seconds. My video is me standing in a graveyard at 1230 at night going, I don't see jack shit. I've been here for four hours. I haven't seen jack shit. Oh my the God. ghost hunters have gotten bored and gone home, so I guess I'm going home too. <laughs> so do you have any, any general issues or specific issues with the way science is being taught in the, in the schools and what kids are being exposed to, realizing that teachers have to follow a curriculum, and supposedly the curriculum is based on factual information. We know that's not always true. But do you find there are problems that start at that level that um, people, once they're indoctrinated to, to false information in schools, that they have difficulty overcoming? Uh you know, I don't blame the teachers at all, actually. And that might be, again, that might be some of my own biases coming out, being a teacher, being married to a school psychologist, and hanging out with teachers most of the time. We need um, to interview her. She's got things to say about Dr. Ben. Oh, she absolutely does. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to give her the computer and walk in another room or something so I don't have to hear it. <laughs> but... You know, I don't blame the teachers. I think the bigger problem is laziness. Uh, the students that I get coming fresh out of high school, they don't know science, they don't know math, and it's clear that they don't know it because they weren't paying attention. Mm. So you've got a couple problems there. You, you've got a lack of discipline being imposed at the lower levels because I think pretty much their leadership has told them that they can't come down that hard on the students. I occasionally get that. I occasionally get, you know, these are the paying customers and you have to make them happy. This is a for-profit college. And I just kind of look at them and say, you got the wrong guy for that when they start talking that way. But it's always the administra administrators that are saying that shit, not the teachers. Yeah, so the teachers try to try to get as much in there as they can. So the, the teachers overall do a good job, and in some cases it's the parents who have agendas or mm. have ideas where they tell the kids, well, you may have learned that in school, but that doesn't mean it's true. Listen to your dad. And right. Yeah, there's probably a lot of that going on. I mean, the science teacher gets the kid for one hour out of the day at best, and that's only 30 weeks out of every year at best. 
And then, you know, mommy and daddy have him for the rest of the time for 16 hours a day when he's not in school. Mm-hmm. So mommy and daddy are saying, you know, let's not forget the preacher on Sunday morning either who gets at least as much time as the science teacher does. Yeah. Uh, but mommy and daddy are saying, you know, don't believe all that shit. No, that's not true. They don't really know that. Well, um, yeah, we do really know that. Uh, you know, that's what science is, is you don't go around throwing stuff out there unless you really know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I want to go back to the list there because I, th- I was hoping that Dr. Davis could give us a, a list of uh, a lot of the p- things that people accept as in their everyday life, but we know is junk science for sure, right? I mean, I'm shocked at homeopathy for sure. Mm. And <laughs> and now ghosts and goblins aren't real either. Hey, you never oh, said yeah. anything well, about it's... goblins, okay? <laughs> oh, goblins and, and, fits, and see, that still fits in junk science because they go out there with their little EVP monitors and all this other shit, and it's like, you guys have got to be kidding me. Yeah. you got a glorified cell phone, <laughs> and you think you're going to talk to the ghost over the cell phone as opposed to seeing it with your eyes? Okay, fine. Bring all the equipment you want, but, you know, don't bring trash. You know, bring real equipment, bring real scientists, bring real engineers that, that are actually monitoring the whole electromagnetic spectrum in one shot. I you know? I remember watching a show one time where they had one of these uh, ghost hunter shows, and, and it was a, apparently the place was haunted by, uh, in Germany. And the place was haunted by a ghost, of like a 500-year-old ghost or something like that. And the researchers were in there and trying to talk to the ghost, but they were talking in English. So I'm thinking, isn't there a bit of a problem there? You get a 500-year-old German ghost, you think he's going to say, Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> not gonna work like that. Um, in a spiritual plane, like everyone's connected. Everyone's so American in this language. Well, he's had five hundred years to take a Berlitz course and learn English. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what else is he gonna do with his time? For God's true, sake, that's true. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to our list here. I, I've, okay. I've got feelings that you're gonna crush me again here. Uh, so t- tell me, uh, astrology? That's gotta be real, mm-hmm. right? Oh, astrology is actually on my list. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm. It, I'm it only gets one slot though, because I, nope. Does anybody seriously take astrology take astrology serious anymore? Some Absolutely. people do. It's <laughs> yeah, really <absolutely>. sad. <laughs> it, that is sad because yeah. again, the best logic we've heard about astrology is that the stars can set your destiny yeah. uh, depending on how they're aligned in the sky at the moment you're born. I, I have a sister who's a Wiccan, and she she believes in astrology. <laughs> oh, poor child. She needs help. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, if the stars determine your destiny in their position in the sky at the moment you're born, then if a garbage truck passes the hospital the moment you're born, you're fucked. You're going to be screwed up for the rest of your life because there's more gravity coming from that garbage truck than there is from any of the stars you're talking yep. about. Well, or any of the planets that you're talking about. You know, that would explain a lot. Well, well Ben, to answer, to answer your question, does anybody believe in astrology anymore, you take any print newspaper in the United States yeah. and you oh, I know. tell me if you can find one of them that doesn't have the astrology column in it. Exactly. And that's why it gets to mention is because uh, whether you call it habit or whatever, every piece of, you know, every print newspaper, as you say, you know, it it's still got an astrology column in it. I, I, like, I think this, this, with with astrology, the the easiest way to debunk it is the using 
because my sister who believes in astrology is my twin. She's five minutes older than me. We are so different. Our lives are so different. Our personalities are so different. It's like, yeah. That's, cause, that's like, because when you when she was born, there was that garbage truck that drove by. <laughs> and then five minutes after, you popped out. Well, it doesn't have to be a garbage truck. It could be a semi or, you know, it could be anything. Oh, trust me. If she believes astrology, it was no, a garbage no, truck. No, for me. And then and then when I was being born, a Mountie was driving by. A Mountie a was driving On their horse. <laughs> was driving by on the horse? Yes. I mean, you could have just had a particularly obese nurse that walked in the room in that five-minute interval. You know, that would do it, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, fine. Astrology is not yep, real. So. So I guess next time I go on a date, I guess I won't start with, hey, I'm an Aries. What are you? <laughs> well, and see, I, I mean, and I'm kind of willing to, to use the kid gloves on the astrology thing most of the time because, you know, as long as everybody sort of takes it as a joke and we're all in on the joke, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a bar and you're trying to hit on the chick at the bar and you want to say, hey, I'm a Libra, you know, as a, as a, as a icebreaker, then go for it. But please don't take this shit seriously. <laughs> yeah. You go, I'm a Libra. Oh, well, I'm a Taurus. Well, there's no way in hell we can date now. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have no idea if this, if it's an actual thing in there. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you were to actually reject somebody based on their sign, their astrological sign, then that's just stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, that could be the love of your life you just ran off for... Really, nothing more than an arbitrary reason. So if you do that, then you are shit all stupid. I just, I got no love for you then. Although I'm reminded of uh, Dr. Dale Ray that was on the show a couple of weeks ago. He says, isn't it strange how your soulmate is always a couple of blocks away know, from right? you? It's, and they're not in, they're like, not in uh, India. Or, exactly, a rural village. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's I, almost like soulmates aren't real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, our, our, it's like anything else. You know, the relationship has to be nurtured and and, and grown. And if it, if it is, then there's, yeah, there's probably at least a few million people on the planet that you could have done that with. Yep. Well, soul, soulmates are real, but souls are, right? I mean, come on. You got uh, Now we're getting into religious discussions, which I generally try to avoid just because people do get butthurt over that. Oh, come but, on. I mean, there's even music styles after that named after soul music. It's got to be real. <laughs> yeah. So, so, sure. So, Ben, what's your, what's, the fa- what's your favorite of all of the ones that you present and you've made signs up? What's your, your favorite junk topic, junk science topic? Oh, well, Fukushima is my favorite. That's the one I start with. Okay. You know, because that's the one. Um, Fukushima and Three Mile Island are both cases where the the engineers went to bed that night calling it a win. You know, they, they were like, nothing bad happened. Nobody died. Yeah, we had some failures in the safety equipment, but we had enough backups in place that nothing horrible mm-hmm. happened. You know, and then they wake up the next morning and the newspapers are telling them it's a disaster. <laughs> You think maybe you know, that's one of the problems that we don't have? Uh, the, this junk science is uh, far and widespread because media doesn't really um, report correctly on what goes on in science. I mean, every time you, you have a science article, it's almost like, well, scientists are going to have to rewrite all of science now because we discovered this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's a new theory for gravity because, you know, gravity waves have been discovered and... Einstein wasn't quite right. It's like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's not, 
That's not what the guy said. Mm-hmm. My advisor, uh, I can remember even 30 years ago when I first went to grad school, my advisor and I were talking about this. You know, the journalists are great, and they, they do a very important job, but they're not scientists. And they came and talked to my first advisor, who was German, about the work he was doing, nuclear astrophysics, and why he was doing it. And he said by the time, he said he talked to the guy for three or four hours, and he said by the time the article came out, he didn't even know what he did anymore. Wow. <laughs> See, wow. That, that advisor was that German ghost we were talking about. <laughs> That's why he didn't know. <laughs> it's all right, but he did learn now. to speak English somewhere exactly. along the way. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't learn to speak it well enough for the journalist that was interviewing him, but he, he did learn. So, Dr. Ben, in conclusion here, uh, if you were to give some advice to us, the layperson, especially me and my little dumbass, about finding good sources for a proper science education, where would you point me? Oh, goodness. There's plenty of them out there. Uh, and again, you know, life's too short. You don't have time to, to, to study everything to the nth degree. So you have to start with people that are trustworthy. So Breitbart, and if they're, trying to sell, if they're trying to sell you something, they are not trustworthy. Throw them out right from the very beginning. If they're not mainstream, you know, it's risky, but, you know, there are people that have come up with ideas that aren't mainstream that turned out to be right. What you really need to do, there's a YouTube video, and I will get you the link if you need it. It's, it's uh, Sherman does it. Uh, Michael Sherman does it, the, the, the head of the Skeptic Society. Yes. But he's actually aping a piece that Carl Sagan did on Cosmos. Mm-hmm. It's called the Baloney Detector Kit. Yes. It's got 10 key points in it, if I remember right, and it's things that you should look for whenever you're presented with something that might be a little suspicious on the facts. Okay. You know, it takes 15 minutes to watch it. It's a great video, and it just goes down this list of, you know, start with accepted authorities. You know, if it's too good to be be believed, it probably is not true. Uh, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you know, people that can't quote sources are quote themselves as sources. They they can't be trusted. You know, there should be peer reviewed information. You know, articles that are available for whatever it is you're trying to do. Well, this is absolutely devastating because now I got to throw away my sources of Breitbart, oh Doctor Oz, and the National Enquirer. I don't know what to do. Now. Oh God, Doctor Oz was such a disappointment to me too because you know I've only been semi-retired for like the last three years or so. So that first year when I was doing absolutely nothing and sitting on the couch, I turned on Doctor Oz one day. Oh, you poor soul! <laughs> and I was like, Oh my freaking God, this guy is so full of shit. Yeah. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't need to, you know, but I can see through his bullshit in, in about a half a second. Yeah. It's well, so, he recently had on an astro, uh, an astrologer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had an astrologer oh. on his show. Oh, he would have lost me that instant if he'd done oh. that. Like, oh, if you're born it. in this month, these are the health issues you're going to have. This is where <laughs> you put your stress. You, it's like, you know, seriously? The, the funny thing is, if you look at the, the, the newspaper, local newspaper here in the province, 
which is actually one of the two big newspapers of, of the province. There's a column in there, and Dr. Oz is in that column. Gross. I know. It's gross. gross. It totally is gross. Yeah, we've tried to call Dr. Oz and thinks that he endorses out on our program a, a number of different times. So we, we hope we've done our, our little bit. It's part of our policy. We don't support anything that Oprah pushes. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're like with Oprah that I am with Al Gore. I mean, you know, you just instantly shut her down because it's Oprah. That's not fair. <laughs> well, I think I think it's justified in this situation. Uh, yeah. With Oz. Dr. Ben. You might, be, not, you might be right 95% of the time, but it's still not fair, right? Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll be more skeptical. Dr. Ben, uh, what's coming up for you? If people wanted to find out uh, who you are and they want to ask you questions, where can they reach you? Well, you know, there's facebook.com forward slash Ask Dr. Ben. I'm there every day. It's a great little page. New articles, and, and I actually have an admin staff now, so, you know, now there's nice. stuff going out there that I didn't put out there myself. It's kind of interesting. Fantastic. I'll occasionally get an email and go, hey, you said this in such and such a time, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back and read what I supposedly said before I try to defend it. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping us today with this, uh, Doctor Ben. If you be uh, you say, if you send us the link for the baloney detection kit, we'll put it in the show notes. And okay. uh, before I let you go, I gotta have you say hi. I'm Doctor Ben, and when I'm not being a snazzy dancer on the dance floor, I take a left of the valley. Bye, no, I'm just kidding. I'm you don't ben have to say I'm that. Not being a snazzy dancer on the dance floor, I take a left of the valley. <laughs> Did I do it? And that was Dr. Ben Davis. I love that guy. He's so fun. <laughs> he's so much fun. Yeah. He's such a regular guy, and he swears to. And it's just yeah. awesome. How many nuclear physicists can you really have fun with? He's so fun one. to listen we to. We know at least one. The fact, the fact that we're just regular people and we know what a nuclear yeah. physicist is yeah. already pretty much great as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, pretty cool. Know, he's, he's great. He's great. He just goes with it and... You know, he's uh, he's got a lot of knowledge and, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. He's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I sure hope that in the future we uh, people will start developing more of a, um, a way of critiquing information. But it's so difficult. I mean, I, I even I got caught sometimes because you hear the stupidest things in the world and you're thinking this is such a crazy world that it might just be true. Right? I mean, I heard a, a, one time... A, a, uh, there, there was a, a, a law that said um, that in case of emergency, you had the right to eat your wife. Now, that sounds ludicrous. Yeah. That sounds absolutely ludicrous, right, when you think about it that yeah. way. But if I told you it was a fatwa from Islam, all of a sudden it becomes almost believable. And this is the trap, right? Because it, oh, there's always a grain in there of truth, right? Because if you take a religion like Islam, which is so anti-women, that are, they're so second-class... It's almost believable that somebody would be crazy enough to pull that kind of fatwa to say, in case of emergency, you know, it's the end of the world, you can kill and eat your wife. It's almost crazy enough to be true. Well, I think it goes, part of this goes back to the discussion that we were having in, in having to do with trusted sources. If your trusted source is Fox News yeah. rather than Al Gore, you're going to have a hard time parsing where the truth actually is and i think that's a big part of it that people are becoming more polarized mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the trusted source it can do no wrong yes and also i think he also brought up a very good point and uh, the point that we did with oprah and all that is that sometimes even if it's a bad source being skeptical doesn't mean denying right away 
you have to be skeptical even if it's you know it's unlikely but even Alex Jones could have a point one time but that takes intelligence and awareness and not all of us are intelligent and aware to be able to to leap over those obstacles and and find see I know this time when you said intelligent and aware you did not look at me you actually looked up (laughs) see I think there's some subtle language there Uh, no (laughs) I'm trying to stay focused Kevin (laughs) thank you so much ladies and thank you for listening to us and uh, joining us today you can join us at uh, you can follow us at leftatvalley.com you can follow us on Facebook at Twitter at LETV Podcast you can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com send your uh, your uh, complaints to Nancy on the third floor and your fundraising money to Christina same place <laughs> that's right so we can send her to Alaska yes hey or no, no 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 not Alaska Antarctica, Antarctica. Antarctica. how come I don't get to go I want to go a step farther I yeah, go sorry. if you send enough we can send Kevin too yeah Ooh. yeah he requires more blankets, though, because he's bigger than me. <laughs> Coming up, this was very apropos that we are a topic on skeptic and science today, because next week we're talking to Anthony Magnabasco about street oh, epistemology yeah. and how you can use, when you find a person like that that's really stubborn, maybe you can use a couple of questions to make yeah. you start thinking about things. And then uh, uh, the next week after that, we'll be talking to your old friend Michael Sparks. So excited. We'll be talking about U.S. and Canadian politics. There's so much to talk about. Yes, there certainly is. Uh, towards the end of the month, we'll be talking to Godless Cranium, the YouTuber. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there as well, we'll be talking to our old friend Eli Bosnick. <laughs> and as well, we'll be talking from the guy from Rationality Rules, Stephen Woodford. That'll be fun as well. They're all fun. So a lot of great stuff all coming fun. down the pipe, as per usual. But we work hard for this. Damn it. All right. It's a beautiful day out there, guys. I will let you free now. Go out there and go I don't want to go out there. I want to go cuddle my new child. Everybody go out and chill. <laughs> yeah, chill. Think my, of the cold yeah. temperatures. <laughs> well, I'm going to go die. Go enjoy the sun. The little summer like that we have. Heat. No. I'm going to go sit in my house with a fan on me. Thank you, guys. Until next time. Bye, Kevin. Keep it on the hush, don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them, fuck that The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name and let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.